This is Dr. Benny Tate, and I would like to thank you for tuning in to this week's message at Rock Springs Church. Wherever you are, I hope that this message encourages you and helps you grow in your walk with God. Here's this week's message from Rock Springs Church. Micah chapter 5, verse 2 reads like this. But thou Bethlehem Ephratah, Though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of thee shall he come forth unto me. That is to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth have been from old, from of old, from everlasting. I want to take just a few moments and uh, I want to talk to you about Bethlehem. That's the title of my little message. It's a small place in Israel. About 25,000 people live in this small place. It's actually right now, it's on the West Bank, controlled by the Palestinians. But 2,000 years ago, ladies and gentlemen, this is where Jesus Christ, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, was born. And I began to think about this subject of Bethlehem and I am convinced that there's a message in the fact that Jesus was born in Bethlehem the first thing that I learned from Jesus being born in Bethlehem is that God keeps his promises God keeps his promises a little girl on one occasion said to Santa Claus are you a politician? He said, no, honey. Why would you ask that? She said, because, Santa, you all, always promise more than you deliver. Amen? <laughs> but I want you to know, God doesn't promise more than he delivers. Because 750 years ago, that verse that I read in your presence, in your hearing by the minor prophet Micah. It was written 750 years before Jesus was born. And that verse literally said that Jesus would be born in Bethlehem. I'm so grateful that the Bible says in Hebrews 10 and 23, let us hold fast the profession of our faith, for he is faithful that hath promised. And I just want to remind you on this Christmas Eve that God keeps his promises. And God keeps his promises in your individual life also. I'll tell you something else. Bethlehem not only shows me that God keeps his promises, but it shows me that God sees potential. God sees potential. See, if I'd been an om omnipresent, omniscient, omnipotent, sovereign God, I would have probably had my son to be born in perhaps uh, Paris. Maybe he would have been born in Rome. Maybe surely he would have been born in Jerusalem. But God chose Bethlehem. And that tells me that God sees potential. God sees potential in people. Not as they are, but ladies and gentlemen, as they can be. God sees you today not just like you are, 
But God sees what you can become. Years ago, Barbara and I went to a place called Ripley's Believe It or Not. And there was a few things I remember. They had a grave. They had a, a, a tombstone there. And I remember, I remember, for some reason, I remember reading that tombstone. And on that tombstone, it says, and maybe it was a message for me. It said, here lies Jonathan Blake. He stepped on the gas instead of the brake. I remember that. But then I remember something else there. There was an iron bar there. It was just an iron bar. And they said, this iron bar is worth $5. And then I read on. And it said, if this iron bar was made into horseshoes, it would be worth $50. And then it said, if this iron bar was made into needles, it would be worth $5,000. And then it said, if this iron bar was made into balance springs for Swiss watches, it would be worth $500,000. And I thought, that's how it is with God. We're just iron bars, but God sees us as balancing springs. God sees not we are what we are, ladies and gentlemen, but God sees what we can become. Every time I think about Bethlehem, and they've sang all those songs about Bethlehem, it reminds me that God keeps his promises. Every time we sing about Bethlehem, it reminds me that God sees potential in everybody. But every time I think about Bethlehem, I think about God is the one who pursued God is the one who pursued. You know, sometimes I've probably, this is semantics, and I've been guilty of it, and I say, uh, uh, I found the Lord. But the truth was, he wasn't lost. Amen? I, I didn't find the Lord. The Lord found me. I didn't pursue him. He pursued me. And folks, he pursued every one of us that's what Bethlehem's about. Bethlehem's about the fact that Jesus Christ, God in the flesh, came to this low land of sorrows to pursue you. He came to this world. Christmas, somebody said, he's the reason for the season. And I know that's true, so don't anybody send me any, any bad emails. I know he's the reason for the season, but he's not the only reason for the season. You're the reason for the season. Because you are the reason why he came. I remember one time reading a story about a lady that she uh, got on drugs and she, uh, she and her husband started having some problems. And eventually she left her husband. And he would uh, call her. And he'd send her texts. And he'd say, baby, please come back home. I love you. Me and the kids need you. Please come back home. And she'd respond a little bit, but she never came back home. And finally, he, he hired a private investigator. And the private investigator said, I found her. She's in a raunchy motel. 
It's a nasty motel. Run down. But that's where she's been for weeks. And that husband said, take me to her. And he walks into the hotel and knocks on the door. And she's, when he comes in, she starts getting her clothes up. She starts putting her clothes in the little suitcase. And he said, baby, I don't understand. I called you numerous times. I begged you, I begged you to come home. And she said these words. She said, they were just words until you came. They were just words until you came. God sent the Old Testament. God sent the law. God sent the minor prophets. God sent the major prophets. But they were just words. So Jesus Christ came. One other thing that Bethlehem reminds me of, and that is God made a great purchase. God made a great purchase. You know, if you look at Micah 5 and 2, notice what it says, folks. But thou Bethlehem Ephrathah. Why didn't it just say Bethlehem? I'll tell you why. Because if you've ever been to Israel, there's two Bethlehems. There's a Bethlehem in the north part of the country, and there's a Bethlehem in the south part of the country. And God was identifying specifically where he was going to be born. But he said Bethlehem Ephrata because the word Bethlehem means house of bread. And the word Ephrata means the fruit of the vine. He was born in Bethlehem Ephrata because it represents the body and the blood. The body and the blood that God was going to give his body on the cross and he was going to shed his blood for our sin. This Christmas, I can't wait till tomorrow because underneath my tree, there's presents and some of them say B-E-N-N-Y. And we put all of our presence under the tree. But God put his present on a tree. Give you something to think about. He was born in a manger. And they wrapped him in swaddling clothes. Why the swaddling clothes? Well, if you'll remember, when Joseph and Mary traveled from Nazareth to Bethlehem, that was a hundred-mile journey. And many times in biblical times when people took a great journey, 
somebody died along the way. So if they took a great journey, they would take swaddling clothes with them. And what those swaddling clothes were to do, they were to wrap up, kind of mummify a dead body. To this day in Israel, ladies and gentlemen, they don't embalm bodies. If a person dies, they bury the body quickly because to this day they don't embalm bodies. They'd wrap the body up quickly. So Joseph and Mary made this trip and nobody died but they took those clothes that was used for death and they wrapped up the body of Jesus and the message was I've come to die I've come to die for the sins of the world I pray you never see Bethlehem the same because God keeps his promises. God sees potential. God is the one who pursued. And God made a great purchase. Friend, I trust the message today has spoken to your heart. And if you've never accepted Christ as your personal Savior, I want to challenge you to do that today. It's the greatest decision you'll ever make. And I've often said, it's as simple as ABC. A stands for acknowledge. You've got to acknowledge that you're a sinner. B stands for believe. You've got to believe that Christ and His blood was shed on the cross for your sin. And then C, you simply must confess your sins to Him. I want to encourage you right now to repeat a simple prayer with me. I'll pray the prayer. You repeat it with me if you'd like to accept Christ as your personal Savior. Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner. But God, I'm sorry for my sin. I'm so sorry I want to change. I believe that you died for my sin. And I confess my sin to you right now. Come into my heart, Lord, and forgive me of all my sin. Now, thank you, Lord, for forgiving me. Thank you for coming in to my life. Amen. Friend, congratulations on the greatest decision that you'll ever make. And I want you to know this decision is not based on how you feel right now because God's not a feeling. He's a fact. This decision is based on the fact that you have done what God's Word says you must do to have eternal life. So congratulations on the greatest decision you'll ever make, and thank you for being with us today. God bless you, and we'll see you soon.